on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Welcome once again to Bailiwick here inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, the Kevin Kruger Radio Show with you for the next hour and uh, talking Runner Rebel basketballs. The Runner Rebels got off to a terrific start with a 66-56 victory over the Jaguars of Southern University on Monday night and now getting ready to take on Incarnate Word at uh, Thomas Mack on Saturday afternoon, uh, part of a season opening four game homestand at the Thomas and Mac. Got our first look at the Running Rebels in that game and uh, it was it was a lot of fun and the defense was really incredible. We'll get Coach Kruger's impressions of his team and some of the individuals and things uh, they're working on as they get ready for game number two. John Sandler, Curtis Terry with you along with the head coach Kevin Kruger. CT, I know uh, it was exciting to get back in action uh, at the Thomas and Mac and uh, uh, we had heard a lot. We'd seen a lot, you and I, uh, preseason about the team and, and the quality of the, the defensive skills uh, and physical abilities of this team. And, uh, boy, they, they shone brightly on Monday night. Yeah, and I, I appreciate the guys for not making us look like liars because we've been, <laughs> we've been raving about their defensive ability and what they could do on the court with their size, their length, of th- their athleticism, and just their overall just, just will to defend. Um, so I, I appreciate coaching the staff and, and the guys for stepping up and making us look honest. Um, but, no, they, they came out, and right from the jump, they set the tone. Um, and I think that really propelled them through the course of the game, even though they, they had some lows offensively. Um, the hanging their hat on the defensive end is what obviously would, would save them and kept them propelling through that game. Held Southern to, to three points for about the first eight minutes of that ball game. And uh, they they just had no ability to get past the Rebels and get, get any sort of clean looks. They really didn't have very much working inside at all. Most of their points came from the exterior, from the perimeter, uh, on three-point shots by ATN. And uh, we'll bring Coach Kruger in. And, Coach, uh, you know, as we said, it, defense has been the point of emphasis. Uh, you guys have been working incredibly hard, you and your staff and the players. And it really paid off on Monday. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can force 28 turnovers in a game, 17 in the first half, you're going you're gonna to set yourself up for a chance to win, and, uh, and that's what the guys did. Um, anytime you have a new group like we do, offense is going to continue to improve and flow as the year goes on, but uh, to, have, uh, to go out and have that, that performance defensively, I thought uh, it was a really good starting point. Did it help? They're always first-game jitters. Did it help that this is a group that has experience at a variety of locations, uh, their previous stops, uh, where they kind of just stepped into the flow of the first game? Uh, without a doubt. I think, uh, you know, a, a large reason that we were excited about the group we had coming in is because they, they were experienced in, in guarding every night. And it, so it was, as CT said, it was really nice to see him come in there and just continue to do what they had done that uh, – to give them a successful career up until the point of coming over to UNLV. And so kind of continuing that momentum, um, you know, Luis Rodriguez, EJ Harkless, and then, I mean, the, the pressure that put, uh, Parquet put on the ball the entire night was, uh, it, it was exactly what got them to this point to where uh, we were really excited for all of them to sign here, and they, uh, they kind of held true to that form. CT, it looked as if there, has, there is complete buy-in on that tough-minded hard-working defensive mentality in this group. Uh, everyone who was on the floor. And we were surprised. I mean, we, we, we saw just about everybody who was available. Uh, 
on the floor in that game, but everybody came in and they contributed on the defensive end. Yeah, and, 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 and no matter how, I mean, how we can sit there and say they, they look like they can defend, um, they've got the athletic ability, the size, yada, yada, right? It's, it's one thing for a guy to, to show that they can do that, but then another thing for, the, for them to actually buy in and do it. Um, and I know Coach Kevin and his staff, they've been kind of focusing on that, but for the guys to actually step up and to go out there and execute it, but then do it the whole game and consistently, and they relied on that, um, it just goes to show kind of what kind of group that they are. And we obviously know that they're a very close-knit group. Um, they all like each other. They get, they get along very well off the court. Um, but you could see it throughout the course of the game. They were picking each other up. They were high-fiving. They were diving on the floor. And those types of things, to me, they stand out. That that's, uh, that's how you build a really good chemistry within your team, uh, but then also within your program. Because when you got to bring other guys coming in, you get recruits that see, like, wow, these guys play really hard. I want to be a part of that. So I think, again, it, it's a part of the big picture. Uh, but the, the effort that they put forth on the floor the other night, it was amazing to see. As, as the Rebels entered that game, there, were so many, uh, there was so much excitement about this group and, and what they were going to bring. And it was hard not to get kind of overhyped about it. Um, the, the opportunity to see all of that physicality and all of that athleticism that you guys have brought into the program on the floor, um, it, it had to excite you and the staff as well. It did because, you know, we, we had a vision going into the summer and going into the last spring about what we wanted the team to look like. Uh, going forward, and I think uh, I think we kind of did what we set out to do. Uh, again, you talk about Harkless, Rodriguez, and uh, Parquet just being the older three of the of the transfer group. You know, all you know, well built, old, you know, twenty plus years old, and uh, experienced, and uh, they just give you a different a different presence out there. And uh, again, I mean, EJ ends up with a bunch of steals, a, a lot of deflections. Luis, the same thing. Parquet, of course. Uh, doing what he did it's just there's just a little different tone and and uh even though we hit our lulls offensively there was a nice security over there on our bench just knowing that uh if southern was to score they were going to have to earn it we've talked a lot go ahead you talk about these deflections and we talked about this on the broadcast because jvt (laughs) mentioned that he was at practice and you guys were doing jumping jacks can can you can you elaborate on this whole the jumping jacks and how that relayed to you to defense (laughs) and you guys getting deflections because we had some fun with it yeah i mean uh, you know me you know me for a couple of years. You know, last year we, we we had trouble switching one day, so we played Will Smith's switch on repeat for an hour and a half. And this year, you know, we had a little issue getting our hands up. It's hard to get a deflection with your hand in your pocket. So we told the guys to do literal third-grade jumping jacks every time the ball was passed uh, just to encourage getting our hands up in some passing lanes and to, to disrupt some views. And, and uh, the guys, you know uh, – oddly enough, they, they, they all actually took to it and did it. There wasn't – they didn't really – Team frustrated by it. Nobody did it jokingly. They just kind of did what they were asked to do. And but our defense is going to be predicated on deflections. If if teams are zipping the ball around the perimeter from side to side, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And it obviously worked. I mean, you guys got a ton of deflections. Um, but I've got to ask this: Did you have anybody that struggled with the jumping jacks? Because again, that's coordination. And I've got kids. You got kids. It's hard to, to learn jumping jacks, and some people just don't have it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like when we, when we try to explain to them. You know that there was a day where you had to wait for your cable guy to get to the house, or the, like what a payphone is. They actually knew what a jumping jack was. Oh, that's so good. That that helped a little bit. <laughs> a rotary dial. Um, what? Exactly. No, we don't. We don't know yeah, that one, Jeff. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm old. Forget it. Uh, if you if you look at one of the things on defense that they were able to exploit, and that was that skip pass uh, to. to and it, it happened to be ATN all the time who knocked down threes. But we've talked about that. That's one thing that you're kind of okay with. And it's hard for fans, I think, to understand, well, why are you okay with them scoring a basket? But, but 
if you can talk about that, explain how that works, that you, you just can't shut every single thing down? Yeah, it's one of those things where we're going we're gonna to really just take a lot of pride and, and emphasize guarding the rim, guarding the paint. And uh, so when we get the ball to the side, uh, that's where we feel we win. Um, and, and again, if yes, Etienne had a good night shooting it, and he had some clean looks. Uh, we, we've got to make those passes just a little more off target, a little more uh, off, uh, you know, just the timing of it. We've got to disrupt that a little bit more. But again, when you talk about the number of times we got the ball where we wanted it to be defensively, the success rate would have been well over 90%. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, you can't take away everything. Um, if we're going to force a team to throw skip passes to shooters throughout the entire night and not give up layups, uh, again, that's kind of what our defense is geared toward. Yeah, I didn't see a shot chart from the game, but I can't imagine that they made until late in the game that they made more than four or five shots in the paint at any point in the game. No, they did. Yeah, the shot chart, it really benefited us uh, because, again, in the first half, they shot a really good percentage, but you also have to take into account they had 17 turnovers. Exactly. So, every, you know, those times they were trying to get the ball across the floor, trying to get to where, get it to where they wanted it, our guys did a really good job of either getting a steal or a deflection or, uh, or just kind of disrupting the timing of their offense. So while they did get up shots and, and make a good percentage in the first half, those were – those were kind of more of our clear-cut mistakes as opposed to, uh, you know, the 17 times when, when they turn it over. 28 turnovers, 13 steals, led by EJ with five. Uh, they, they never got a chance to breathe when they had the ball in their hands. Yeah, and I think a lot of that just goes to, you know, Parquet, Jackie Johnson, those two guys just trading off uh, of guarding the ball full court not allowing Southern to uh, enter the ball where they wanted to, um, just kind of uh, forcing them to do something different. We talk about that a lot defensively, is forcing the offense to do something they don't practice, something they, something different, just to kind of be disruptive so they're not just working like a clock. And uh, I thought between Jackie, uh, uh, EP, Parquet, and, and of course the time Keyshawn Gilbert was on the ball, they did a really, really good job of that. CT, you, you mentioned it during the broadcast that as a point guard, you hated that little guy who got up in your up in your jersey and didn't let you breathe and didn't let you have any room. I'm not sure Jackie is that kind of guy. He's so strong. But I, I was actually impressed because he didn't play a lot of defense in Canada when we were there, but he really stepped it up uh, in the game against Southern. Yeah, just the, the little guys, they, they've always frustrated me, right? <laughs> just being so tall, and I mean, it's... It's hard to, to get to that, that low center of gravity. And so that was the one thing I hated when there was a little guy that tried to pick you up full court and get up underneath you. Um, so Jackie did that. But I think what was more impressive to me was the fact that, I mean, Eli, Keyshawn, Luis, they all do that as well. And that's – I never had anybody do that to me, but it's even – I would imagine it's even harder when you have a guy that that's, that's that big and long and can get that low and slide your feet because then you, you're really – I mean, you're, you're, you're up the creek without a paddle. Um, and and it's, it's tough, but – they're able to do that, and that puts so much pressure on the point guard because then you can't get into your sets. You start out further on the floor, um, and I think that really impacted them, and they really set that tone out front. And so I think that's just a beauty to have. And, and again, then you have a little guy like Jackie that does do it and pick you up full court. I mean, it's just you're just starting to pile on, and it's, it can be overwhelming. But we saw tons of deflections, so I think it was it was sliding the feet and the jumping jacks that paid off. How gratifying was it for you and your staff to see all that hard work on? That you could, I mean. You, were, you, you said you figured it was 75% of the time. I think it was more uh, in terms in practice leading up to this game since the summer practices started on defense. How gratifying was it to see, the, to see it kind of come to fruition and pay off? Yeah, I mean, anything, you want everything you do in practice to show in the game. And uh, so it, it was a, there was a little bit of reassurance there that what we had done to, in prep for the summer uh, uh, we, we, was time well spent. And uh, 
but uh, again, obviously, a lot of things we got to work on, and uh, we ended up actually playing defense in, for almost 26 minutes, and that's something we talked a lot about. For so for those guys to have that effort for for six minutes past half the game um, is something that we've talked about. Um, Maybe we could even be more efficient defensively if we just took a little better care of the ball, a little more patience. Um, I think our defense could be even that much better. One of the things we've seen from Rebel teams recently is if they have an off night offensively, it's affected their effort and execution on the defensive end. Did not see that really at all in this game. Yeah, it was a rough night offensively. We'll get into that. We'll talk about it. We know that it, this, is, this is not, uh, not, not going to be the norm for this team, but we didn't see it affect the defense. Yeah, and and, and, and I think that's just because the, the core group of guys, they that's where they hung their hat. Maybe that's how they played, you know, got minutes early in their careers. Lou at Ole Miss, of course, EJ at CSUN in Oklahoma, and, and EP at Colorado. They, uh, they they just kind of relied on their DNA and, and what they do to, to be successful. But, uh, yeah, uh, um, not a, a banner night offensively, but uh, – but again, good, a lot of reassurance. There was a lot of security in our huddles and our timeouts um, of just having confidence going into that those last few stretches. Well, now I don't know what to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> Revels take it on Incarnate Word Saturday afternoon. Remember, it's a 3 o'clock tip. We'll be on the air at 2.30. Run a Rebel warm-up over on ESPN Radio, 1198.9 FM, starting at 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. Come join us. Come down to the game. I thought the crowd was terrific. For a Monday night, it, it was. I, I thought the crowd was great. Absolutely. A Monday night, uh, start of the season is a little, a little weird to start it on a Monday night, but Monday night at 7 p.m., I thought the crowd was uh, – they were engaged. They were – early and uh, I, I thought it really showed with the way the guys got off to a, a, a really good start well it, it'll be terrific to see another good crowd on a saturday afternoon at the thomas mac come on out join us maybe go out to dinner afterwards whatever you're down down close to the strip uh, uh make a day of it uh, with the runner rebels uh, starting three o'clock with the tip on saturday we'll take our first break we might talk about the offense when we come back. We'll see. Uh, want to remind you that Fidley Chevrolet is located in the southwest at 215 and South Rainbow, Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership. Frankly, they're customer-driven. You are listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Bird comes right side. Throws it out top to Lyons. It's deflected and stolen by Harkless. Up ahead to Rodriguez for the slam dunk. Defense into offense, exactly what the coaches want to see. Back to the Kevin Kruger Coaches Show, live from the Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Highlight, you heard uh, one of a number of breakaway runouts that the Rebels had caused by their terrific defense in the game against Southern Luis Rodriguez with uh, one of uh, a number of spectacular slam dunks in that game. Rebels win at 66-56 to get the uh, season off to a great start. And now get ready for Incarnate Word, the Cardinals, out of the Southland Conference at the Thomas & Mack Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock. Uh, we'll be on the air at 2.30 over on ESPN Radio with Run and Rebel Warm-Up. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and head coach Kevin Kruger with you. And, uh, Coach, before we get to uh, something you didn't want to talk about, uh, let's talk about a couple of uh, a couple of recruits uh that, uh, you know, we in, in, with all of the, the transfer portal stuff, with all of the transfer portal stuff that uh, that you have going on and how many guys you've brought in in your first two seasons through the transfer portal, sometimes 
sort of actual recruiting, old school recruiting, if you will, gets overlooked. But uh, you you got uh, commitments, signed commitments today from uh, two uh, two outstanding recruits, Brooklyn Hicks and uh, Rob Whaley Jr. Uh, talk about them a little bit, if you would. Yeah, Brooklyn uh, coming from just outside of Olympia, Washington, played with the Seattle Rotary, Rotary Program. Uh, a very, very well-respected recruit nationally, and uh, he, he's a little bit of a, a do-it-all Paul. He can, uh, you know, he rebounds it well, he, he shares it well, he, he guards well, so uh, a really good addition that that uh, I think could be a really good, you know, four-year, three-year, whatever it may be player for UNLV. And then Rob Whaley Jr., I actually played against his dad, you know, Curtis, you probably did, Rob Whaley Sr., um, he in the, played professionally, but, uh, you know, it goes about 6'6", six, six, Strong as an ox, uh, he plays on the post, but incredibly powerful and skilled. And uh, uh, coming from CSI, a, a junior college powerhouse in Idaho, is uh, it just couldn't be more excited to have both of them come join. And you know, focusing on Brooklyn for just a second, he's a kid who had, uh, as you mentioned, well respected nationally. I mean, this this was a highly regarded guard prospect out of the Pacific Northwest had uh, had, had gotten attention from schools and programs all over the country. Yeah, I think uh, you know was. Coming on his official visit, seeing how we're around the guys, the workouts, I think uh, just saw an opportunity to come in here and, and play and make an impact, and uh, and uh, so and we were lucky to get him. Yeah, he's he's, he's going to be terrific. And Rob, uh, you know, it, it, he, you you just look at pictures of him, and you can tell the size is there. Uh, as you mentioned, he's played in the post now. Uh, back to the basket, can he can he turn and face and, and do the things you want to do? Obviously, I yeah, I think that's probably where he, he's at his uh, most comfortable and and probably his biggest strength is facing up, uh, putting his shoulder into you and creating an advantage. He's a he's not a below the rim guy, even though he's he's six six and pretty sturdy, uh, but he he can get up, dunk it. Very very good athlete. All right, uh, turning our attention to the, the the other side of the court in the in the Southern game. Careful. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the Rudder Rebels obviously you know struggled at times offensively. Defense was was absolutely the thing that and 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 great free throw shooting. We should mention that Rudder Rebels finished thirty two of thirty eight from the line, uh, and uh, just getting to the line that often I know is something that you've emphasized. And then being able to convert, so you had to be pleased about that. No, very. I mean, we didn't shoot it well. Uh, we were, we rushed. We didn't take. We didn't have a lot of patience, um, which is something we've we've talked a lot about uh, uh, of improving. But uh, of course, if you can get to the line 38 times, convert 32, um, you're going to have a lot of successful possessions. So, you know, while we didn't shoot it well, uh, you know, a lot of those possessions ended in free throws where uh, we ended up getting two points out of it. So, um, still a successful trip. But I think the big key going into Saturday is just going to be more patient, um, just a, a few more driving kicks, a little better ball movement, and because uh, this is a good shooting group. This is not a group that's going to shoot this percentage throughout the year. But uh, if we're if we're a little rushed and a little out of position. Uh, we might struggle a little bit. Yeah, and I think that that if if first game jitters and and pressing a little bit showed anywhere in the Rebels game on Monday night, it was it was on the offensive end. I mean, you're not Jackie Johnson is not going to go two for nine from the field uh, very often. EJ e. Harkless is not going to go two for seven from the field very often, and Luis Rodriguez certainly is not going to go three for twelve from the field very often. And that that was a big part of why the Rebel offense struggled. Yeah, and one of the reasons we liked them uh, during the recruitment process is that they were all very ex- efficient players offensively, but just maybe not as as high of a usage as they were looking for. Uh, so uh, look to go somewhere else. And while the usage is going to go up here versus last year, we need the efficiency to stay the same. But again, I think, like you said, uh, 
with the fireworks, with the fans, you know, being in Vegas uh, at the Thomas and Mac, I think uh, we just had a, a little bit of uh, anxiety in terms of, of getting a shot up quick, and we, we just got to be a little more patient. Speaking of speaking of anxiety, we, we came at, we came back from the break with the um, the outlet from EJ over his head to Keyshawn, threw it off the glass. So, how much anxiety did you have when they when they go to that play? Because again, I know that's a situation back in my day when I played for somebody that just walked in. Never in my wildest dreams would we have tried to do something like that because I know what the result would well, have been. You could have tried it once. I, w- I wouldn't have. I knew better. <laughs> yeah. But in that case, it's like a no, 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 yes, yes, yes. But like, what was your, your, your conversation with the guys after, after the game um, just in terms of those types of plays? Well, I mean, you know, we're all about having fun. And, uh, but uh, I think, uh, you know, as, as a staff, we talked about it in the locker room after the game. When it left Keyshawn's hand, none of us thought, it had any chance. I had no, no, yeah, no, you, no. It looked no like a rocket. Your radio, radio broadcasters yeah. had the same no, we, apprehension. They're like, "Where is this going? Who is that going to?" But yeah, I mean, Lou went and got it, finished it, and uh, but uh, you know, when they're if they're going to create twenty eight turnovers every night, I think uh, we should probably give them a little bit of a leash to to make a spectacular play here and there. And uh, I know the crowd loved it. I know our, our team loved it. So you know, to get out, have fun, get a highlight. We're okay with it. Yeah, I, I jumped out of my seat as soon as he threw it. And I was, oh, gosh. But, yeah, I enjoyed it. I had fun. But I'm, I'm also not the one that has to risk the penalty if that doesn't work out. It, it, it was a spectacular play. I, the, the little bit on the offensive end where the shots weren't falling early and then it, things got a little bit stagnant, I think, to use your word. How do you, how do you counteract that? Or is that kind of, okay, we saw that. We're not going to do that again. Let's move on. Yeah, I think it, you you put you put it perfectly. You know, you watch it on film. You just say we we just got to be more stubborn about getting the shot we want. Uh, we just kind of went into a little bit of a delay mode, and instead of really attacking and and kind of exploiting their press uh, when they were bringing a, a bunch of guys into the front court, uh, instead of going and attacking and getting layups and putting pressure on the rim, uh, we just kind of went into a defense mode of just trying to hold on to the ball and play keep away, which. Uh, you know, there's no teacher-like experience, so hopefully we can be in that situation again down the, down the line somewhere and, uh, and get more layups, get more open threes uh, while using a little bit of clock at the same time. Now, is it by design? Um, because we're early in the season, you guys focus primarily on, on defense coming out. Um, but in terms of set plays, I know at a timeout you guys ran a, a bunch of really good sets. But is it more so you just want to give the guys freedom to, to play and read and react with your, your swing offense, or is that something you guys are kind of still just building on and, and waiting till we get further into the season? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you – you know, the majority of the game is going to be in transition off a missed shot. So we, we want the guys to get out, play, have freedom, you know, make plays for each other. So a, a lot of what we want to do is just to kind of put guys in space, you know, try to create an advantage of some sort and then just have them play together. So, uh, yeah, while you have the board at a timeout, you can draw up specifically something you want. Um, anytime there's a missed shot, you just want guys to run, have good spacing, make a play for each other, and, uh, and go from there. And, and they did. The transition game. Was was really good until, as you said, it, it got to the point where they were playing keep away, uh, and and the guys looked like they were having fun, and 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 it was great to see the coordination because uh, a lot of times early in the year those fast breaks can be a little bit helter skelter, but uh, the rebels ran ran them uh, beautifully. Uh, you had a number of different guys kind of organizing things and running the point. You had Keyshawn for a while, you had Jordan for a while. Um, is it a matter of Keyshawn in that role getting comfortable and the guys learning each other? Uh, I, I, Curtis and I talked about that on the air a lot about the fact that you know defense is one thing, but on offense you, you learn you got to learn tendencies, got to learn where guys are going to be, uh, how to hit them cutting things like that. Um, that'll take place over time. I think so. You know, Keyshawn, you know, not 
really being the primary ball handler last year and then even in his high school days not always being the primary ball handler you know this is a little bit of a learning curve for him a little bit of a learning experience and something he's going to have to get used to with reps but uh again you know ej just being fully cleared to go 100 percent over the last few days uh you know isaiah cottrell going in and out uh you know from canada uh there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period here but i think as uh, as time goes on as Keyshawn gets more experience and more reps, uh, he, he's just going to continue to get better. Speaking of EJ, obviously had some. there were a bunch of guys who had cramp issues. Uh, we heard Curtis's story. Curtis had cramps Curtis over the weekends too. Uh, but uh, uh, cramping up during the game. And I think is that mostly just because he hasn't had as many reps as everybody else? getting ready i think so you know at the time i thought it was a, a knee issue so i was i was a lot more concerned uh, until after the game and said it was just a he was just having some cramping issues and uh but uh, probably just probably being being a while since he had been in a game uh you know and been kind of back in that daily routine uh we'll just kind of attribute it to that but i think uh you know he was full today uh he'll be full tomorrow and then uh, of course uh, Saturday as well. So, well, you could see the. I mean, Curtis and I talked about it. You could see the difference in the flow half court offensively when he was on the floor versus when he wasn't, and and I think that made a big deal. Yeah, he's just you know he's our most experienced kind of most established guy, and uh, you know coming from Oklahoma at ten a night in the Big Twelve, you know uh, that's clearly somebody who understands where the ball needs to be, how it needs to flow, how it needs to move. So, uh, we're going to continue to put. A lot of responsibility on his plate, and uh, we're going to count on him to do a lot of good things, not only offensively, but just kind of as a leader of the group. I really enjoyed, and CT, we talked about it during the game, watching him on the defensive end away from the ball. He understands the game so well that when a pass was being made or a shot was going up, even though he wasn't directly involved, he was exactly in the right place. There was a play where he recognized as the shot was going up that it was going to be a long rebound. He got himself in position not to get the rebound, but to get the run out and, and start a fast break for the runner rebel. And, I mean, that kind of knowledge and anticipation uh, is incredibly valuable on this team. Yeah, his instincts are about as good as anybody's. And, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he's got kind of a nose for where the ball is going to be, where, you know, kind of the rhythm of the game. You know, he's the one that got the long rebound that led to Keyshawn's uh, pass to Luis off the backboard. Uh, you know, his instincts just kick in and he just plays. But, uh, and, and that's why he, he had, he's so valuable to us. He's, uh, he's a guy that can give you a lot of security out on the court with the other guys offensively and defensively just by letting his instincts kick in and, and just going out and playing. I was going to say, I feel like, uh, I mean, when, when TJ was in charge, right, I feel like there was a lot of times we said they, they were stressing get to the midline and weak side defense, and there was a lot of those conversations and trying to find the guy to block out. But it seems like, again, like you mentioned, John, there wasn't those many conversations that we had or, or comments that we made on Monday night because you've got older, veteran, more experienced guys. No, obviously we'll give Coach Kevin some credit, but, again, these guys have been there before. They've done it. Um, and I think that makes his job easier. But there wasn't many opportunities or situations where there was, there was weak side lapses or missed blockouts on the weak side. Um, but like you mentioned, they were given that skip pass, and it was open because they were loaded up. Right. There was help on the, on the baseline drive or the penetration. Um, and, again, then they would scramble. They would close out. So, again, it was good to see that, that, full, that full cycle of, of the transition and the rotations. Um, but, again, it, it, was, it was definitely led by EJ and just his ability to see the play before it happened. Absolutely right. We're going to take another break, come back, talk a little bit about the, the interior play for the Rebels at both ends of the floor. Uh, 
David Mualka, Vicky Wako, and uh, uh, that group, uh, and then start to get into previewing uh, the games coming up for the Runner Rebels. Two of them will take place before our next show, so we'll talk about that. want to remind you that uh, EOS Fitness, you can get off the sidelines and into EOS Fitness, a proud partner of UNLV, featuring premium amenities, including their turf functional training area, movie, Move EOS Cinema, open 24-7, and much more. Join for just... Uh, $9.99 per month at joineos.com. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Long rebound. Harkless runs it down. There's a pass over his head to Gilbert. Oh, Lord. And Luis Rodriguez slams it home. Highlight reel stuff, and then a violation inbounding the ball on Gardner. Oh, God. That got you out of your chair. It sure did. I, mean, I had to get the blood flowing again, but boy, oh, boy. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. One of the most spectacular plays we've seen at the Thomas & Mack in a number of years, uh, E.J. Harkless with the overhead behind the behind the head pass to uh, Keyshawn Gilbert, and then Keyshawn, uh, with coach's permission, going off the backboard to Luis Rodriguez for the Tomahawks lab. Just an incredible play. I didn't see if it made SportsCenter. I, I didn't assume it, it should. Have. I tweeted that it should, but that's one yeah. of those things like you ask for forgiveness later, right? Yeah, he didn't, absolutely. He didn't, didn't, wasn't asked for permission. I'll ask for yeah. forgiveness. And it's a lot easier to ask for that forgiveness when it works out. If that had you know, gone off the backboard and gone back to half court or something and turned, gone the other way. I'm not sure that you, you don't, you don't look over there or at him the rest of the night. Just keep running up the mm-hmm. tunnel. I'm gone. Nope. You're headed that way. Anyway. I don't see you over there. I'm not looking. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, head coach, Kevin Kruger with you as the runner rebels win the game over Southern to start the season one and oh, and get ready to take on uh, incarnate word. And then the Dayton flyers, uh, a very, very good opponent next Tuesday night, but we'll worry about that later. Uh, talking about, uh, still talking about the Sun game. Uh, Coach, this is a team that is uh, that features outstanding talent, ability, experience at the guard and wing positions. Inside, uh, you've got David Mooka, who we all expect to take kind of steps forward this year. Uh, Vicky Wako coming off an injury-riddled season, uh, who creates havoc, but but still probably just st- trying to kind of figure out how to fit into things. Um, those guys are going to have to kind of catch up with everybody else. Yeah, I thought both of them did a, a really good job fighting, competing. Um, you know, picked up a couple fouls, just uh, just kind of going for rebounds that maybe they didn't need to go for. And uh, uh, but again, at the end of the day, they both uh, you know. And then when Keyshawn Hall sprinkled in there for some minutes, and Carl Jones just formed a really good forty minutes at that five position for us. Uh, you know, David's done an unbelievable job protecting the rim, rebounding. But uh, he, he's really underrated and underappreciated uh, on the perimeter. And uh, Vic is, you know, one of the best athletes in the conference, best athletes on the West Coast. So, you know, he's, he's somebody that kind of stands out a little bit more. But between uh, Vic and David, uh, Carl, and then when Isaiah comes back, I think we're going to have some opportunities to have uh, really, really good games from that five position and maybe even have some bigger lineups, which, uh, you know, with uh, Isaiah out, it's going to be really tough to do here early. Real quick, I mean, what's his prognosis? When do you expect him back? Yeah, it's not quite day-to-day for Isaiah, but we're getting there. We're getting we're getting pretty close to the point where we're going to say it's day-to-day, and he's going to be able to actually get some live reps in practice. And then uh, after that point, I, I think it should be pretty good because uh, the bone will be healed, and it'll, be, it'll, it'll probably just come down more to conditioning at that point. 
that that position on this group, that that five position in this group, because it's really the other four are almost interchangeable. Uh, you know, point guard, maybe not, but but that that position plays such a different role on this team than maybe on, on a more traditional lineup. Um, how are those guys adjusting to that? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a huge piece for us because, uh, as you've seen, we like to we like to switch everything. We like to you know put the bigs out on the perimeter and guard the ball. And if uh, if you're not able to do that uh, from a mobility standpoint, if you're not able to get where you need to get to laterally, it's just going to be really tough. And uh, uh, the way we want to do things defensively, David, Vic, uh, Carl, uh, Isaiah, and, and Keyshawn Hall, uh, they they all fit that mold. And uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, here in the, here in the immediate, there's going to be a lot of pressure on those guys to go rebound the ball. You know, being clearly the biggest that we're going to have out on the floor, they're going to have to, you know, kind of stick up for the rest of the guys and take a little ownership of uh, just making sure we get that rebound. Yeah, and Curtis, we we talked about it during the game that the only two things we could really point at that that you know immediately we said, okay, these are the things that are going to be working on, obviously half-court offense, but rebounding was another one, and, and defensive rebounding for the runner Rebels because the Rebels did give up uh, more offensive rebounds, I think, than, than Coach would like. Um, and that's, that's got to be a team effort, uh, you know, both guards and bigs. Yeah, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Big David some more credit and some praise because he does a really good job sliding his feet. I mean, he talked about good, how good of an uh, athlete Vic is. He's, he's great. Uh, Vic got in trouble because he was actually picking up fouls by diving on the floor. So, I'm, I mean, getting loose, loose ball fouls, diving on the floor, that's okay. But David did a really good job of switching on the guards, sliding his feet, keeping them in front. But, John, we talked about when they're loaded up and they're forcing that skip pass and they close out and those shots go up, then you're out of position for rebounding. And so, again, we've, we saw times where guys have to gang rebound, work to get back in front on the inside and get that rebounding position. But, again, the, the few times that they weren't able to get that, it was because of the, being out of position because they were in such good position to start with that skip pass. So the, the defensive effort was there. The rebounding was there. And I think that we've got guys with Eli, with EJ, uh, with Lou that are going to turn around and they're going to make that effort to get back to the, to the glass and the boards because they're so big. And then it was good to see them anybody that got the rebound was looking to push it as opposed to, hey, let's find Jordan or let's find our point guard. And so that's, it makes it even more fun because they really can get out in transition. In terms of, of that, that transition – in, on the defensive end from really tough ball pressure to, to getting in position to get a rebound or block your man out, uh, that's something that has to be worked on. It is, and, and it's tough because you're at a little bit of a, a weird situation because you don't know which you might, you, know, you might be standing next to a teammate and there might be two guys or three guys. You've got to figure out which one is to box out. It's just kind of one of those things that happens on the fly, but the most important thing is, just, is finding someone to go get. And, uh, yeah, I thought we – you know. That was kind of one of the areas, like like you said, if we could, you know, maybe tighten up a little bit, be a little more, be a, more, a little more solid at it. Just to have five guys in the paint, finding a body boxing out. Because I again, like you, I thought we did a good job of running out. We got to be more efficient, of course, but I thought we did a good job running out, creating lanes, and uh, we we just got to, you know, just like the steal, we can use that defensive rebound to our advantage as well. <laughs> uh, just forgot what I said. What was the what was the the, the mood and what was the reaction of the guys to that game? Because you know they've a lot of them have been through the wars and and they understand you're going to have an off game offensively. Defense was fantastic. Free throw shooting was terrific. What was what was kind of their take on things? Uh, I think you know with the way it ended offensively, there was probably a little bit of a bittersweet feeling um, because uh, you know I mean, we didn't look at it, at the the record books or the or the timeline, but it, you know 28 turnovers in a game has got to be up there with you know, the, one of the better defensive games in the last handful of years. No question. We'll have Andy Grossman check into that yeah, one. Yeah, we'll, we'll have Andy find that one. But, Thank you. 
But uh, no, I mean, you know, you probably don't have to, to to think too hard that it's you know not a lot of teams force force twenty eight turnovers. But then at the same time, just not being as clean and fluid offensively as we know we can be. Um, you know, just you know, even if the way we finished in Canada or or the the secret scrimmages that we had. You know, they uh, we we just were so much more fluid and so much more balanced offensively, and I think the guys were just a little upset that we didn't show that foot. Uh, but still, you know, the the defense was it was something to absolutely be praised, and uh, we just got to understand that Saturday we gotta we gotta build on that, and that's got to be kind of our baseline going forward. I also think the defense was so much better um, on Monday as opposed to in Canada as well, right? So I think they expended more energy on the defensive end. But I think the offense, in my eyes, it wasn't bad until that that stretch in the second half. We go seven minutes um, with, without scoring, but I think again, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. We will take another break. We'll come back and start to preview uh, the, the action coming up at the Thomas Mac over the next week or so. Incarnate Word coming in on the Cardinals on uh, Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock tip. We'll be on the air over on ESPN Radio, 1100, 98.9 FM, starting at 2.30 with Runner Rebel Warm-Up. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Jackie drifts to his left. Going to throw up a very long three, and he'll hit it. Jackie can make him from all over. That's his first three of the run a rebel, and first of many. Back to the Kevin Kruger Coaches Show, live from the Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Jackie Johnson knocking down a very long three, and we saw it in Canada. I mean, Jackie can, can knock him down from everywhere. Had an uncharacteristically rough night shooting the ball from outside in the, in the Rebel victory over Southern, but uh, we certainly expect, and, and the Rebels need uh, Jackie Johnson to knock him down from outside. John Sandler, Kevin Kruger, Curtis Terry with you, talking runner Rebel basketball. Uh, had a chance to see a, an old friend, Ben Carter, yeah. visiting with us. Yeah. The Carter family. Rebel great Ben Carter here, headed uh Back to play professionally in Israel tomorrow, so always good to see uh, you know, former players around and, and Rebels forever. Guys come back a lot, I, and I know that's something that really makes you proud. Not just, I mean, you, you should have seen Curtis's face when Joel showed up so, on the Jumbo yeah, Some of us don't leave, though, either. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know, Joel, a special yeah. teammate for all of you. Uh, you know, and when he showed up on the on the Boyd Vision uh, uh, at the at the Thomas and Mac at that game, seeing old teammate, that's just the best, isn't it? Well, it is, but it, it, you know, it's it, you know, playing basketball at UNLV is special, and it's just it not. Of course, we all know the community, the city is a special place to be, and it's. But uh, you know, kind of having that that brotherhood and that bond, you know, it's special to come back and and be, you know, in the practice gym where you worked with your with your teammates and uh, in the Thomas and Mac where you you know you've got them memories of game nights so uh yeah it surprised me too i didn't know uh, big j was going to be up there so it caught me a little bit off guard but you know big j is now the general manager of a team in in canada and uh, you know obviously played 12 years two championships so he had a had a heck of a career after leaving unlv is 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 joel one of the great stories of of a, of a guy i mean coming out of nowhere as a player to, to turning into as you said a 12-year nba uh, yeah, over, star yeah over, over $25 million, two NBA championships, 12-year career. Um, yes, the answer is yes. And I roomed with Joel, Joel and Ricky Morgan. And so those were, that's the four of us in, in a dorm. And, um, yeah, Joel, he, he, I mean, he was the epitome of the first guy in, the last guy out. Um, he, he, he didn't take no for an answer. Um, he, he wasn't going to not show up or not give his full effort. There, there was multiple times where he was sleeping on the couch in the study lounge um, in the dorm rooms. 
Um, and he was just he was the guy you wanted to see to be successful because he put in all the work and really didn't expect anything of it at the end of the day. But he, he got everything that he deserved and more. Wow. It just uh, it, it just it makes me smile thinking of him yeah. and, and, and all that he was able to accomplish. And uh, he's a great role model. I don't know if you you know, I don't know if that works at all to tell, you know, kids, young kids about that. But uh, he, if you ever want a role model as a as a as a basketball success story, Joel, Joel, Joel Anthony is it. No, it is, and his story is unique because of uh, his career path. You know, coming here out of junior college and playing as a junior and then sitting out as a red shirt in your second year to then play a third year, I, you know, I, I, can't, I can only think of one other person because it's a, it's a popular story as well, but other than those two, I've never heard of anybody doing that, where actually you start your career, then red shirt, and then, uh, and then finish your career. So, uh, but, yeah, it, just somebody easy to root for. So you want to see him do well, and uh, just uh, always been proud of him and uh, happy to kind of have him, not only in the UNLV family, but in our lives as well. Yeah, and, and Joel didn't start playing basketball until he was like a junior in high school. I mean, so you, you throw that into the mix as well. I mean, so again. It's, it's remarkable. I, yeah. I, just, I just have memories of him, you know, leaving the arena after a game, you know, an hour after the game, he's maybe been working. longer. Yeah. And he and, he and the late, great. Lou Coach Hill. Lou Hill working, yep. working on, uh, Joel, on drills and, under the basket. And Joel lived in the dining commons on campus. He was always looking for somebody's rebel car to go get an extra swipe <laughs> to get an extra meal. Yeah. I'm going to go to the dining but commons. But you know, the, the, the Lights Please videos are always, I mean, they've always got somebody special up there in the UNLV family. And, the, and I, 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 to be honest, I'm always kind of looking up there because I don't always know who it's going to be. So uh, I'm excited to see who's going to be up there on Saturday. Well, we, we don't know who's going to be up there, but we know who's going to be on the court. And that's the Runner Rebels and the Cardinals of Incarnate Word. They're out of San Antonio, Texas, uh, a team out of the Southland Conference, kind of trying to move up in the world of college basketball. What have you seen from them, and uh, what do you want to see from the Runner Rebels on Saturday? Yeah, just uh, seeing a team that shares the ball really well in, uh, in Incarnate Word. Uh, you know, just play, kind of make plays for each other. Just play well together, share it. Uh, have a lot of fun, have a lot of uh, energy and excitement. Um, so it's, a, it's another good challenge for us to go out and uh, just really set the, set the tone from the start of the way the game's going to be played and uh, just kind of dictate the tempo and um, just really kind of enforce our will and our style in, uh, in the, just kind of the outcome of the game and, and just make sure it's played for 40 minutes the way we want it to be played. That's Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock at the Thomas Mac. Hope you're making your plans to come out. Then Tuesday evening... It's an entirely different animal. You get the Dayton Flyers, who are, I, I was surprised. I looked at the roster. They're a really young team, uh, mostly freshmen and sophomores. But they're ranked 24th in the country right now. And this is a really, really good basketball team. Yeah, a really good Dayton team. You know, last year uh, beating Kansas in Orlando in a neutral site game, obviously eventual national champion Kansas. Uh, and then just to continue to progress from there. They had a rough start. But uh, then just really, really caught their stride, uh, finished the season strong, you know, coming in, uh, getting a lot of respect and attention, being a preseason top 25 team. So to have a top 25 team come into the Thomas and Mac in November uh, is a huge deal. And, uh, and we, we've, we've just got to make it special for the guys. We've got to have people out there supporting them, uh, giving them the energy uh, and just kind of the support and the, and the fire to go out and hopefully knock off a top 25 team at home. That's next Tuesday. And, and tell your friends, you know, it is not that often anymore that a top 25 team comes into the Thomas and Mack and the Rebels have a chance to get kind of a marquee victory. And the, the fans can play a big role in it. They were terrific on Monday. Uh, obviously want them to come out Saturday afternoon. But Tuesday, next Tuesday night, 
Uh, 7 o'clock against Dayton. Uh, Rebels are going to need you because they're a really good team. Take another break. Come back. Final segment coming up. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. With Webster, Euro step off the glass. No Dang. good. Olka there for the slam dunk. And timeout called by Southern as the Rebels have built a 15-point lead. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. Back here for our final segment. We're at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and head coach Kevin Kruger as the Rebels get ready for uh, the Cardinals of Incarnate Word on Saturday afternoon. Dayton Flyers, nationally ranked in the Thomas and Mac on Tuesday night. We were just talking about... Uh, former teammates and and it is kind of a special bond that that's that's unique among teammates uh, yeah you have friends in college uh you know i've got buddies in college i text from college i text with every day uh but but playing a sport together uh adds another layer of of how, how special that can be and i know you guys have kept in touch with with your teammates uh you know from unlv some of them at least uh you know and to this day yeah, I think, it, like you said, you just spend so much time with each other in such a short, you know, period of your life that uh, there's just a bond that's kind of, that's created. And uh, while we may not talk to them every day or may not, you know, text with them even every week or month or some some guys even years, when you see each other, it's like no time has passed, uh, which is nice. And uh, and especially coming back to UNLV, coming back to the Thomas and Mac or Mendenhall Center, um, it just it, it it's just special. Yeah. Yeah. No. I and, and again, I think the the fact that the the Sweet 16 team. I think we're all very close. I mean, I think I, I'm, and the fact that we we had that run made it made it special. This my senior year, when we went to the tournament. Still close with all those guys. Um, I'm not as close with some of these guys from my, my the first two years when Coach Kruger's lawns was first two years were here. But I mean, some guys that I really had some fun with and enjoyed were the, the Killer Bees, Jarrell, Romel, and, and O'Darty Blankson. Um, I still see Romel randomly around town here in Vegas. Um, Jarrell, um, this last I know he was still playing overseas and still doing really well, even though he's really really old. Um, <laughs> But another guy was was Lou Amundsen, yeah. and now Lou's kind of a gypsy, kind of hippie. Um, I think last he was out in like Bali, like living off the beach and living off the off the land. But um, but he Lou, pops up every once in a while. Every once in a while, yeah. and I, but it might be a wedding that's coming up that we might be able to see him at. But um, there might be. There's there's some of those some there's some guys that even though we don't talk and stay in touch as much, there's still that special bond because, like Kevin said, you spend so much time with him, maybe uncomfortably so much time, um, but you still always have a, a, a close relationship at, at the end of the day. What what I find interesting is the the transition to the way guys interact with with me as players versus versus later on. Bryce Hamilton didn't say five words to me in his four years here, and at the end of his career, we became good friends. and And uh, you know, it, it, it's a, an entirely different. And I, I think it's just a matter of of how how they approach their careers and, you know, they're focused that way. But it's interesting. Uh, Rebels and Incarnate Word, Kevin, I know you want to see big crowds at the Thomas and Mac both Saturday afternoon and then against Dayton on Tuesday night. It was a big help on Monday. No, no question. No question. I mean, it was a great Monday night crowd for a season opener. And uh, not not just hopefully basketball, but if you look around the city, I think uh, Vegas sports are, are trending in the right direction. And uh, the the interest is growing, the support's growing across the city, and uh, I think with this group, it, it's just, it's a group that's just going to get better as the year goes on. So hopefully we can get some crowds there early before 
you know, uh, before it starts. All right, Saturday, 3 o'clock against Incarnate Word, 2.30, Run and Rebel warm-up. Thanks to DeMond, and that is over on ESPN Radio back in our studios. Danny Engineering here for Curtis, for Coach Kruger. This is John saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next week out here. See you Saturday afternoon at Thomas & Mac. Have a good evening, everybody.